Amy Ozzie fell in love with the sports business early in life when she realized how much goes on behind the scenes, not just for teams, leagues, and events, but for the businesses that partner with them. After a start in college athletics, she moved into the world of agencies and brands. Now Senior Director and Head of Sponsorships for T-Mobile, she accepted T-Mobile's award for Sports Sponsor of the Year at this year's Sports Business Awards. She's also a member of SBJ's 40 Under 40 class of 2022. And today she joins us on SBJ iFactor, presented by Allied Sports. So Amy Ozzy, thanks for being on SBJ iFactor. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Let's start off as we always do on iFactor uh, at the early influences on your life. Where did you grow up and how did your early years influence the person you have become today? Yeah, I, uh, I grew up in Sacramento. Um, I was a big Kings fan, growing up Sacramento Kings fan growing up. Um, and I uh, had one sibling and a, a single mom who worked extremely hard, so it was a big influence in my life and um, you know, really enjoyed being active in sports and played soccer for a number of years, played softball for a number of years, and really enjoyed kind of the community that that brought to me growing up. How did you get into sports? Was that a part of your family or was it just a part of kind of your overall community? Yeah, I mean, I think being in a, um, being in my household with a single mom, I liked kind of seeking out like other ways to find kind of community and just ways to interact, you know, interact. And so I always just, I was always just interested in playing sports. I played Little League when I was little and then um, got into soccer and really loved that and played that for about 10 years. Recreationally, not competitively, but I had enjoyed it. And so just really liked the community aspect of what sports brought. So soccer's your favorite? Soccer was my, my longest. I played softball as well, but I would say soccer um, was definitely my, my longest endeavor that and I played. Has any school. of that continued now throughout your life? Or not necessarily soccer, yeah. but, but some intramural in leagues in college and post college, you know, less time now, but um, to do that, but you know, have enjoyed, have enjoyed it, you know, and kind of uh, when I was younger and uh, intramural leagues and things like that. Where did you go to college and uh, and what was your major and how did that influence what yeah. the next steps were in your career? I went to college at uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo um, and uh, we was studied actually recreation administration there. So it was kind of an early version of sport management when I was attending school, but much more on the recreation side of things. Um, and early, some of where that came from is kind of early growing up, I went to, um, they used to have different events at the Arco Arena, which was like the Sacramento Kings. And I remember attending an event when I was probably 12 and seeing this woman uh, who was working with a headset and a clipboard and she was running the event. And, you know, I got to go down on the um, court and got to sh shoot hoops with Olden Polonese, who was one of their top players at the time. And just seeing kind of the involvement and the energy around an event like that was really kind of what drove me to want to be in events and sporting events. Um, I think during college, I didn't quite know what that looked like yet, but you know, really happy to where it evolved to. And um, in college, had the opportunity to work at um, our recreation center and then work in athletics um, coming out of college. And so really enjoyed you know, some of that time and just getting exposed to the industry a little bit more to lead me here. So then how did that work? What did you do immediately after college? Yeah, so I actually stayed and worked. I was supposed to go to UT Austin, had a graduate assistantship, had an apartment. Um, would have been a fantastic school, but I got an offer to stay at my college, work full time, 
um, and work in rec sports as a director of marketing there and um, and just had you know was ready to kind of like ex get some more experience before I went back to school so it was, it was a big life life change to kind of switch gears and um, move away from a graduate citizenship that I had but what a, a great decision to go back and get some experience before I continued my education later on and so I worked at uh, Cal Poly in the recreational sports for a year then went on to work at Stanford and athletics and Cal Berkeley um, in their recreation program as well before moving on to the agency um, when I started working at GMR marketing after that. So you went to agency, you did not go back to education? I did. I worked in higher that? education for must have been probably five years, okay. four or five years and between a combination of rec sports and athletics. Um, and then I moved on to agency and worked at, at GMR Marketing for a little while before moving over to the brand side um, with Visa, now T-Mobile. Okay, so yeah. how what was the transition to GMR? Uh, yeah, you know what, what attracted you there, and it, was it connections you had made through your work at Higher Ed, or it was actually through friends. And I just found throughout my career, I've always just been somewhat inquisitive into what other people do. And when I'd moved to San Francisco, I was working at, uh, at Cal Berkeley at the time um, and really just had a friend that worked for the agency and had worked with, at, when I was at UC Berkeley, had a lot of opportunities to, we managed a large trade show festival where a lot of brands came in and so we worked with a lot of their agencies. And I was just curious about the brand work they did. It was very early still in my career. Asked someone to do an informational interview and say, hey, can I just learn about, you know, what's your day to day? Um, went in and did that and six months later they had a role that opened up um, and they invited me to come work for them. So it just came from kind of being curious and asking people what they do and asking for you know some of those connections to learn a little bit more along the way. So what did you do in that first role and what did you learn from it? So the first role when I was at um, GMR Marketing was supporting the visa business on client, their client uh, marketing programs for Olympics and for uh, NFL and FIFA and so we would help manage some of the client marketing promotions and they were usually generally sweepstakes or other promotions that we would partner with uh, Bank of America to do a card promotion offer and so we would do some of the support around that the sweepstakes rules the um, you know the management of, of the fulfillment process and things like that and so it was really interesting just to see um, you know how they used these sponsorship assets and that's how I started learning a lot more just about how a large brand like Visa would use partnership assets to support their business. Um, and then had worked there for a little while um, and was asked to come brand side and, and work inside um, at Visa, which was really exciting to then come see a different side of it. And that came about because of the relationship you had built there while you were at GMR? Yeah, I had been at, had been at GMR and the person, the client that I was actually supporting um, moved on to another role and left Visa. and. Um, they asked me to come and just pick up the same job when I, on the other side of the house. So I just told people, next week, here's my email, and I'll, I'll still be talking to you. But um, so it was a great opportunity. It was, it was really nice um, to then be able to see the brand side of it, having, especially having sat and you know appreciate the, the property side and the agency side, and then having sat on the brand side to kind of see kind of the strategic use behind some of the assets and be able to support it in a different way. Um, and so, yeah, it came about from, from working with that team and then, you know, essentially having the opportunity to come in-house from there. And that's not just a brand, that's one of the most prominent brands in sports. Yeah. So a pretty good place to be. It's a good alumni group. We, we still keep in touch with a lot of people that have worked there and it's um, certainly a proud time um, on my resume, a place I've worked and, you know, like I said, keep in touch with a lot of the folks, but learned a lot 
um, in that time and worked on a variety of properties, a variety of co-marketing promotions, um, and really appreciate the experience that I got while I was there. How long were you at Visa and what was the next stop? I was at Visa for about six years um, and then was moving to Seattle for my husband's job and working remotely um, for Visa at the time, which is which wonderful of them to do. And a friend from uh, that previously worked at Visa said, hey, you should check out this job at T-Mobile. And so I looked at the description and it was a really interesting role that had a little bit more responsibility around really owning um, the partnerships around Major League Baseball and esports and some of the work um, that their sponsorships team did. And uh, from there met the uh, my current um, boss and then my predecessor as well. Um, and was really interested in the role. It just sounded like a really interesting opportunity and kind of an evolution to what I had learned at Visa. And so um, here we are. <laughs> now um, I've been there for about six years. Okay, about six years. Yeah. I was going to ask you what year was that. So you've been there about six years. You've obviously had some success. Yeah. I saw you take the trophy at the Sports Business Awards this year. Thank so, you. Yeah. Uh, how did that come about? Tell me, uh, what was the team effort that led to, you know, that culminated in that, yeah. Win at Sports Business Awards. Yeah, we've had so much growth. I'm so thankful for all the growth we have. When I started, I think we had two people, and now we have about 13 on the team that I lead. And um, it has come from having a really passionate, hardworking group of people that are truly just really excited about what we do and how we leverage our partnerships with baseball, with the SEC. They just truly get in and understand the fan, the space, and then also figure out, okay, how can we as a brand add value to that space? And we're always looking at different partnerships saying, well, how can we make this experience of All-Star Week better? How can we come in and add value to the SEC Championship experience as an example? And I, I have so fortunate to have a team that's just really excited and passionate about what they do. And I truly believe that that's, I think, what has bred a lot of our success. Um, and we also have some fantastic, you know, some leadership that really supports what partnerships deliver. And we've been able to show some of those results across the business and show where there's gains that they've made which has then allowed us to add new partnerships in the space like Formula One and others that now have, have brought us even more opportunity to showcase the brands and the network in a new way. How did your, your personal professional philosophy evolve from the sports that you were involved in, uh, being involved in athletics at the collegiate level? Uh, so many executives in our industry point mm -hmm. back to being on teams and being involved with athletics as, mm -hmm. as being very formative. For their careers did that was that true for you as well yeah i think so i mean i having been you know both um, just playing younger you see the value of kind of you know working with the team and i was um captain of my soccer my soccer team my recreational soccer team but i still like felt that um, opportunity for leadership when i was younger um or saw that opportunity to kind of grow as a leader and then i think when um you know as i think about later in my career it was just the growth that would come, what I truly believe is, I think as a leader too, is like you find something that's interesting to you, surround yourself with people that are, you know, are smarter and, and you know, surround yourself with experts and, and make sure that we're all learning along the way. Um, and I think the biggest thing that's evolved is probably that empower, like empowering others around me and trying to kind of grow that skill because we can all accomplish a lot more when we empower others to lead. Um, so that's probably the thing that over the years has been honed, you know, the most to just, I, I've been really excited to be able to help others grow and kind of watch them grow is one of the things that really drives me and makes me excited about the job that I do today. At which stop along your career path did you first start to think of yourself as a manager and a professional leader? 
I'd say there were aspects, you know, later. I learned a lot while I was at Visa, and I was still very much entry level when I started at Visa. Later in my career at Visa, um, I think there was times when we led a lot of certain, um, a lot of promotions and things we did, and um, people would start asking you more questions, and, and you're like, well, this is great. They're asking me, you know. But, um, it, they look toward, you know, they would look towards you for ideas and opportunities and how we could do things differently. And I think there was a moment there um, uh, later in my years where I realized, okay, I actually have an opportunity and a responsibility here to look at how, how can I help you know, others around me. Um, and there it was a bit more project leadership versus when I came to T-Mobile, it was truly like a people management leadership opportunity. But I think that was a place that I grew a lot as a leader to just see the opportunity to influence, not necessarily by having direct reports, but by influencing those around you. Um, and there were probably moments there that I you know, really appreciated just kind of seeing that and then starting to think about how can I hone that skill going forward. Were there people at those stops who you learned leadership skills from? And if so, was that a conscious decision that you made, you know, that this person can help me? Or was it more observational and trying to emulate the good leaders and not do what the bad leaders did. <laughs> yeah, I think it's observ I think observational. I think you pick up traits and habits along the way from all of the leaders that you see and then figure out what makes sense for you and your style. And um, I mean, I had a lot of great um, mentors and people that I spoke to along the way that, um, you know, really helped, you know, counsel and guide, but also just, yeah, just by observation, just seeing kind of the way that, um, other people would lead and, and again figuring out what what makes sense for you over the years I think is where I've seen a lot of that. You've covered this a little bit but what would you say are the the traits that the best leaders share and that the best teammates share? I don't know how qualified I am to answer this completely but <laughs> I'll start with teammates. I think teammates is like you know communication, collaboration. Um, one of the things I, I love about the team we have is just the amount of communication and collaborate the amount of willingness people are to help each other when we have new team members to help each other kind of um, learn and grow to you know direct someone that may have found something in the organization because we all have to be super resourceful as well um, but I think just that collaboration from a team member standpoint and then from a leader standpoint I think the ability to truly, truly see the value in empowering others. I really believe that we can't, we can accomplish way more when we kind of lead from behind and let others step out front. Um, and so there's always going to be things as a leader that maybe you're a little bit more in the weeds on because you have to be, but there's also times where truly I think the, the places that we can do more is when those, you know, the leaders on my team step up and they're leading their verticals and um, you know, and I think that's that's the big opportunity we have, and it's also really gratifying to see people have the opportunity to put their stamp on it and to be able to lead. And so, I think that empowerment, the ability to empower in that way, is is probably something I strive, um, you know, for most as a leader. We'll return to this great conversation after a quick break. When you are looking to fill a position on your team, what are the traits that you are really keeping an eye out for mm -hmm. and what are the red flags for you? Yeah, the, the traits I look for are really kind of this just passion and energy around sports and, um, you know, I'd say that just the, an excitement about for a role. I think um, that's something that you can't train. You know, if someone's passionate about the space, 
um, and has an aptitude and a curiosity especially. I think people ask a lot of questions or really curious about you know strategy and how things work. Um, always attracts me to someone who just has that kind of innate uh, curiosity to them because we're always learning. And then the one thing I think sometimes, you know, a lot of times we'll get people that are like, I'm a huge fan of baseball, so I would be great at this job. And I'm like, yes, I love that you're a fan and it is incredible that you're a fan. We also have to be really excited about the business of sport. It's not just about being a fan. It's great to have that lens. We have to have that lens because that's who our audience is and it's so important. But people often forget the other part of that sentence where you're like, and what do you think about the business of sports? Because that's the, the piece that um, you have to connect both. And, um, and I think sometimes, you know, you get people that come in and they're just such big fans and you're like, that's great. <laughs> but it also brings, you know, brings about a lot of other areas that we need to think about um, as far as how we use, use partnerships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Curiosity and empowerment. That's two of the main things yes. that I think I'm hearing. Yeah, from you. absolutely. And I think in leadership too, like it's a lot of my role is on removing barriers and I feel like well it's it's empowering them but it's also removing barriers for the team to be successful and that's what um, you know working in a big organization you're trying to help navigate and help you know create opportunities for where we can can use these assets. As we're talking we were attending the 2023 Thought Leaders Conference uh, we heard from a few executives who have talked about their leadership style and their negotiating style. I'm interested mm -hmm. in what your negotiating style is and how how do you handle a tough negotiation? Yeah, I mean, I think my, my biggest um, focus on negotiations is just communication and picking up the phone. I, I like to have direct dialogue with partners. I like to be very clear and transparent over what we need as a brand out of a partnership. And, you know, if there's things that are challenging, I think being very direct and developing a relationship where you can tell someone exactly what's not working, but you can also remind them of your position. And I think I'm a big fan of, um, I like it to be, you know, us all to be in the room together, right? It's important to have our agency partners support us, but it's also important for us all to have that direct relationship together because a lot of it is perspective and context. And so many things I think in negotiations get lost in people not having, not understanding the other person's perspective or not having context to a comment or something. And then a lot of times you you hear maybe, a, a well, they reacted this way um, to this comment, but then once you get on the phone and explain the why, then you almost see a light bulb and people go, oh, okay, well, I get why you're asking for that now. And it's the same thing on the other side. And so I think so often it's just when we're presenting what we need or, or our position over a partnership or other, really communicating the why and the rationale and the business objective, I think it goes so far and it can be a little bit forgotten when you're in those situations and there's posturing and there's, you know, there's a lot of um, that going on. I think sometimes the best thing to do can just be having a direct conversation about what both parties need and understanding each party's perspective. And it's, it's simple, but it's often sometimes overlooked um, in some of those situations. So communication is key with potential partners. Communication is also key within your own team. How, mm -hmm. do, how do you communicate the, with your team? Oh, I wonder how they'd answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I do sometimes get people that say, you're so busy or this isn't, you know, there's, there's so much going on. And, but I always tell my team, like, I'm always available for them and we, um, our communication is dynamic. It, you know, yes, you might have your standard one-on-ones, but 
there's also just a dynamic communication of, um, you know, it's exciting to be back in the office with everyone too. And just, we were in constant, you know, flow of communication. It's not maybe a formal um, process necessarily that we have all the time. It's more of just staying close on things happening in the business and, you know, where they're things as a leader that I need to come in and help and where are there things that the team is, um, you know, moving and, and, you know, moving forward. So I'd say communication style. I, I can be fairly direct communicator. I will say I get that sometimes. I get really focused. I really like what we do and I feel grateful to do what we do every day and I get very focused and sometimes direct and I have to remind people, hey, I might just be like in the zone right now. Um, so, you know, just if, if that happens, just know that, you know, sometimes I'm just in a, in a mode where we're moving like, you know, a million miles a minute and communication is quick. Um, but I also always have time for my team to talk to them about what's needed. How often do you need to get out of that mode and take care of your, the personal side yeah. of life? And what do you do to, to help yourself do that? Yeah, I think, um, always working on that. <laughs> um, but I think uh, family has actually helped me. Uh, I have a daughter who's three and a half. Um, and so my husband and my daughter have been a big part of me prioritizing more. And I can always can always get better at these things. Um, but I think it's helped me prioritize more in the office so that I can pri also prioritize outside of the office and make sure that I have those moments to get home for dinner or do the things that we like to do together on going swimming or taking her to the park or going to do those things as a family that we really like to do. Um, and so I'd say it's it's helped me to be able to look at maybe not balance, but more like integration of like how do these how do these things work together? Because we do so many things, um, nights, weekends, but just making sure that there's time for that. And then um, also yoga is a way that I like to disconnect and kind of hit the reset button a little bit. Is that a several times a week or how often do you do? I mean, I would love to do twice a week. I'd say once a week is usually what happens <laughs> combined with some other, you know, other a little bit of exercise, but I could, I could always do a little bit better on that front <laughs> as we all could probably. How do you keep up with what's going on in your industry? What competitors are doing, you know, what new ideas are out there, you know, both mm -hmm. within your space and the broader sports business industry? One, I mean, just, you know, trying to view, watch, you know, highlights where I can. I mean, I think it's also um, being able to see kind of what other partners are doing and, and watch the space. Um, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great ways to, you know, if you can't view every minute of a game these days, there's a lot of great highlight content out there. So, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, and then, you know, sharing various ideas with other others in the industry, I think as well. As we've seen the consumers change the way that they consume sports, as you just mentioned, there's mm -hmm. a lot of ways now that you don't have to watch a full game. Yeah. How has that changed your philosophy or affected your philosophy as a brand that uses sports to get its message out? Yeah, I think we're, we're just constantly having to kind of look at where the consumer's going. I mean, um, if you look at, you know, various sports out there, maybe viewership is either flat or declining, but you still see a ton of engagement on other platforms. And so it's forced us to look at different ways to engage with fans um, in digital or in social or creating other peripheral programming that we think people might be interested in. We've done that with um, you know, 5G batting practice for Home Run Derby. We created a new program that's um, part of MLB Network, but it's also on YouTube and social, and there's other ways for fans to engage it. And we've seen, I think, over, over a million and a half views on some of that content, which 
you know, when you think about that, it's really, it's interesting. That's not part of the derby and part of what people viewed, but it's still an engagement in kind of the content and um, what's happening. And so I think just seeing, looking for ways that consumers want to consume other types of content um, and kind of addressing that or, you know, supporting that where we can um, is it's an ever-changing thing so I think staying close to that is important. I'd like to start closing out with a few quick hitters. Yeah. One is what's the best career advice that you ever received? I would say ask for what you want. So when I was early in my career um, I almost actually almost didn't take the job that I took at GMR Marketing. I turned it down at first um, and only because I had a family situation that um, I was helping to take care of a, a sick family member and I was having to take a day off of work um, here and there. And I was worried that I was going to be able to come into a new job and be able to do that too. And so at first I turned it down and I talked to the hiring manager and she said, well, why? I thought you were really excited about this. Like, what, tell me what's going on. And I said, well, here's the situation. Like, I'm afraid of having to do this and this, you know, take a day off a week um, to do this. Uh, when I first start and she goes well we can work through all of that <laughs> like it's not a big deal and so I think that um, was a big moment where you know just someone saying look just tell me what you need right and let's and let's work through it um, it really reminded me and then I think there's other times even later in my career when I was looking to start a family and figure out how to integrate that and for a lot of women in this industry that's also really hard for us to think about how you do that and so I think some of it is just about kind of asking what for what you need and of course thinking about the needs of the job um, but a lot of times it's just being vocal about you know because we all have personal things going on and not letting some of those get in the way if you're truly excited and passionate and energetic about a role um, you know a lot of times there's always going to be a way to figure it out regardless of what else is happening um, so that was something that definitely affected me earlier in my career that I always tell people to just think about. <laughs> no, that's great advice and something yeah. I, I think too few people do. You, you also mentioned earlier young people who might come to you and say, I love sports so I'd be great for this job. There are many, many young people who yeah. come to all of us and wonder how they can build a career in the sports industry. What advice do you give to young people? And particularly, yeah. I think, to young women who might want to yeah. have a career in the industry. Yeah, I, I, I tell... Um, like a lot of people to work in as many when they're sort of earlier in the career like often try as many perspectives as you can think about agency think about property you know think about collegiate or other places just having as many different perspectives early on I think can be so helpful because we all collaborate so frequently across brands across properties um, it's really nice when people have a diversity of background around having been at multiple places so I tell people not to be afraid to you know, take take a few stints in, in places that you can get some exposure. It also helps you figure out, you know, where where you feel your niche is as well um, and, and to get some great experience and work, you know, collaborate with some great people along the way. Finish this sentence for me. The sports industry needs to do a better job of... I would say... I think a, a better job of... You know, I think there's always ways we can continue to kind of showcase what it takes, um, you know, for athletes to be in, in, I think there's, there's even, there's always more behind the scenes. I think we've, I think the sports industry has done a fantastic job with a lot of this content that's come out on Netflix and otherwise, I think that's really helped growth and, you know, continue growth in the industry. So I think it's more of like a continue to kind of tell those stories and, um, find those opportunities to engage new fans in the space. 
um, that I, you know, I think has been been really promising for a lot of areas like F1 and, um, you know, different different programs out there that just give people a different view than like pure competition. And I think that just is going to be good for the industry overall and in getting more people um, to be engaged. And as you look ahead to the next few years, what most excites you about what you're doing and the possibilities that may be coming up for, for you and for T-Mobile and yeah. for the sports industry? Yeah, I think for us, um, we've had a lot of growth post-merger at T-Mobile. It's been now been a few years, but we're still kind of settling into. We've got um, a lot of lines of business that now we're supporting. When I started six years ago, um, we were really focused on kind of just mostly brand and really focused on kind of our postpaid brand. And now as we evolve, we're actually look been have been asked to actually support other parts of the business. So we're supporting our prepaid group, we're supporting our for business group who's looking at ways to get their name out there in larger ways, our new brand new home internet um, line of business as well. And so it's looking at how do we use the assets we have or how do we look at partnerships that can help um, us to storytell in different ways to support new parts of the business. And that's that's exciting and it's a great evolution of um, you know the success we've had with previous partnerships like Major League Baseball, but looking at new areas that we can support, um, you know, always keeps things, keeps interesting and, and evolving, so. Well, great. Amy Ozzie and her team were winners of a Sports Business Award this year. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.